Daniel, thank you so much for being on my podcast. It's a huge honor. And uh, I know you're a busy man. For those of you who don't know Daniel, I'm going to get him to introduce himself in a second, but he's been an uh, Indonesian Idol host in Indonesia to millions and millions of viewers for the last 11 years. Um, he has also done some incredible projects on film, television, has millions of followers in all forms of social media and uh, mate it's such a great uh, honor to be able to chat with you bro it's an absolute privilege for me to be on your show you know this is in, you know this is intense um, I'm so excited I told my wife about it like uh, I'm gonna have uh, a podcast interview with Jay and she was like oh I wish I can be there no, no, I'm sorry, celebrities only, hello. No, just kidding. But, um, you know, it's so, it's so exciting. You know, I've been following your, your, um, you know, your, your podcast, and then you were talking a little bit about Black Lives Matter as well. Um, you were talking about Amigo, and it's, yeah, and, and here I am on your podcast. So it's definitely an, an honor. The honor is definitely mine, bro. Oh, that's fantastic. And I love, I absolutely love the way we first met. So, <laughs> you know, I actually told myself I need I need you to retell the story from your point of view. There were like two really funny stories coming out of that, and uh, you know, go ahead, bro. Like just yeah. Like, so from uh, from how it felt like from my side was uh, we both don't live in Sydney, but we're in Sydney at the same time, and we just happen to be in the same elevator going down at the same time. And I, when I'm in elevators or any public spaces, I basically never ever say hello to anybody. I don't talk, I don't normally do that. But for whatever reason, you're in the elevator and uh, you're standing next to somebody who uh, happens to look Asian. And I say to both of you, are you guys having a good day today? And uh, the first thing you reply back is you're like, uh, we're not together. <laughs> yeah, I remember I said like, um, we're not together and I can explain. You know, just... <laughs> <laughs> and, then, um, and then we laughed and we left the elevator and we continued talking. And um, as we kept on talking, um, we were heading to the same spot and then you asked me um, whether I'd seen a movie, an Indonesian movie. No, 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 no. I didn't ask you that. Actually, uh, you brought it up, right? Which is like really interesting. Okay. So um, we were talking a little bit and then, um, you know, I asked you, have you ever been to Indonesia before? You said yes. And uh, in fact, you've been... Um, you've been quite uh, in close contact with this uh, lady called Fifi and, yeah. and then uh, you you probably know her uh, you probably know her brother you said that to me right and uh, the brother um, they made a movie about him I was like oh I'm intrigued you know what, what movie because at that time you didn't know that I was in the entertainment and I didn't know where, where this is going right where the conversation is going and then he, um, you said well there's that movie A Man Called Ahok uh, so I was like, uh-huh, okay, um, what do you think? <laughs> you know, and, and you were like, yeah, the story's pretty flat. <laughs> um, the movie's all right, you know, the acting's okay, but like the movie itself is pretty flat. 
All right, thanks, man. So, and then, and then you said that um, you're um, they're they're thinking about talking to you and uh, writing the script for the next movie, A Man Called Ahok yeah. or something, right? The sequel. Yeah. And and then I just I just couldn't stand it anymore. I was like I was holding I was holding my lap uh, all the inside. The reason is because uh, I'm the lead actor for the movie. Um, and I, I guess my acting was so good that you didn't realize that it's me, the, 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 the actor in, in the real life, right? Um, it's a totally, like, it's a totally different personality, it's a totally different character, and, um, and, and then I told him, um, do, do you know who, who played Ahok in the movie? And you were like, uh, yeah, of course, we watched it. Are you sure? And then you, you, and then you looked at him and said, oh, was it, was it you? And I'm like, yeah, man. And and then, um, and then you you quickly saved the situation, but you said like, wow, your acting is really good now. <laughs> but your acting is really good. So, but you were awesome. You were awesome. <laughs> so good. I mean, we. That is just. Uh, the best way to meet somebody and I'm so grateful that you were such a good sport about it. <laughs> I thought it's, yeah, you know, I, I, I told this story to my wife, I told this story to my group of friends and I think until today, I still share that story. Like, I just, I just feel like it's one of those moments in your life where it's just going to be an unforgettable moment, yeah? Um, yeah. And it's uh, and then since then on, I guess we kick it off, right? Uh, we had a really good connection. My wife and Pris uh, kind of hit it off together as well, and yeah. yeah, and and we we watched the Book of Mormons together. Yes, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. We've had some fun times over uh, eating cinnamon rolls. Oh yes, that's it. <laughs> I'd love to be able to introduce you to perhaps people who haven't seen the movies that you've acted in and uh, perhaps even haven't even been to Indonesia before. But, um, hey, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and where you started and where you're at right now? Sure. Uh, I'm going to tell a little bit about the movie first. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I acted in a movie as uh, Ahok, as the uh, the first Chinese Christian governor um, who ever lead Jakarta because um, before that it's always been uh, it has to be an Indonesian or a Muslim right because we are the largest populate, um, populated Muslim uh, in the world and um, and the thing is you know I I was so uh, privileged actually to to um, to be him uh, in the movie because uh, he is you know you could say that he's quite a controversial figure because he's not your typical Indonesian um, a typical Indonesian would would really just smile and you know just be nice and calm but people know him as being loud and just like angry towards everyone right and uh, but then you know there was the, because it's it's all political and whatnot um, he got in prison because um, of blaspheming uh, Muslim. Um, and obviously this is just a political move. I feel anyway, it's a political move. Yeah. It's, um, there's, you know, there's just too much um, <laughs> unfairness, you know, in a way. Um, that, and, and many people in Indonesia still empathize with him. They really want him. In fact, some, some, 
you know, some uh, provinces in Indonesia, they want him to be their leader as well still. Um, uh, and, and until today, uh, you know, he's still seen as someone that, that they look up to in Indonesia as a political figure. It's there was a real like, sense of, um, there was a real sense of he experienced injustice in that whole process. That was amazing. I mean, like, uh, he's not just a national figure, but he's a, he's a global leader. You know, people see him as a global leader already in, from Indonesia. And, you know, to, to be able to have that opportunity to act as him, it's mind-blowing. So we got about 1.5 million people watch the movie, um, even though you think the story is flat still. Hey, 1.5 million people, bro. You know, numbers don't lie, whatever. That's whatever. awesome, numbers don't lie, that's correct. <laughs> it's the lead actor, obviously, right? So, <laughs> but um, many people here in Indonesia, they know me more as a presenter. They, um, they're more familiar uh, because uh, in 2003, I, I won um, what they called MTV VJ Hunt, right? So they were looking for a, for a presenter on um, MTV, music television. And, and then, uh, yeah, so since then, my life kind of changed. Um, you know, my dad wanted me to go to business school. You know, I, I finished that. I, I got my bachelor degree in finance um, and, and international business. Uh, but then I feel like my, my life just turned into a different direction. Um, wow. which is entertainment, right? It's, uh, wait, 2003 and 2006, I think? Yeah, 2006 or 2000, yeah, 2006. Um, you know, I, uh, I got, I got casted for, um, being a presenter for Indonesian Idol and, uh, it was in their third season already and, yeah, uh, I got in and since then on, until today, I'm the presenter for Indonesian Idol, so a lot of people call me whenever, whenever you know, whenever someone want to take the easy way out to just introduce me, they go like, "Oh, this is the Indonesian version of Ryan Seacrest." But I hate, I hate that. I hate it when when people say that about me because I'm way too better looking than Ryan Seacrest, right? So I'm like, you cannot, you cannot, no, no, you cannot just like lower my standard like that, right? But and and. Because I'm in the entertainment, I've been producing movies as well. Um, last year, I produced uh, a movie about a badminton player. Um, she's like one of the like national athlete hero uh, from Indonesia, and yeah, um, and oh yeah, in 2008, uh, which is yeah, 12 years ago, I started this brand called Dam. I love Indonesia. Um, it's a brand that that really just you know, trying to uh, grow the patriotism of the youth in Indonesia because um, a lot of the youth right now, they're, they're quite apathetic uh, towards our own culture, uh, even though our culture is so rich, but because of the Korean invasion, um, the Hollywood invasion and whatever, you know, they kind of lose their culture. They, they think the culture is not as cool anymore. So I feel like um, as a public figure, I have the sort of like responsibility for reintroducing the culture in a very, 
youth and you know modern kind of way and yeah and thank god like until today the, the business is still going strong you know i've been going to indonesia probably for the last traveling there for the last 25 years or so and when i was 18 years old i moved there and ended up living in surabaya for a year and a half and yeah. uh, and really that was my first time living abroad in a foreign country and then learning the language and appreciating the food and uh, it was it was such a great experience to me and i think that's probably something that a lot of people perhaps don't know about indonesia is we might experience some of the holiday hotspots like bali or um, you know perhaps visit jakarta um, for a business trip but it is such a large country and very, very diverse. Mm, it is like um, Australians mostly they they only know Bali, but um, actually we have like way more. You know, we, I actually met um, I don't know if well you're you're my generation, so you should know um, Anthony Kiedis from Red Hot Chili Pepper, right? So yeah. um, I got a show. Uh, they sent me to Russia uh, to Saint Petersburg, and in a, in a cafe I met. Um, um, Anthony Kiddes, right? And, and this is just by accident. It was not part of the show. He was just there. He was about to do a concert, and and then um, I, I obviously I'm saying, "Hey, man, Anthony, I I know you. You're oh my god, you know." I was, I'm, I was just mind blown, and uh, he asked me, "Where are you from?" I'm from Indonesia, and he looked at me and said, "Like, bro, I envy you." You know, I'm like, whoa, like, whoa, like, why? <laughs> I envy you. <laughs> you know, like, uh, of red hot chili pepper, and and he said, yeah, man. Um, do you live close to Mentawai? It's the best serving spot in the world. And I was, um, you know, uh, I think Anthony went to Mentawai like probably ten years ago, and ever since then. He always dream of coming back. He just never had the chance. Never like he feels like, man, you're so lucky to be in Indonesia because you can just serve there. But and I looked at him and said, I'm not a server, bro. So, like, <laughs> like, okay, so that the conversation kind of ended. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's kind of the end of that. Yeah, sure. Hey, um, so you have had this journey of going you know from school and then all of a sudden you've cast into the public eye and then that has led to a great deal of exposure and influence and but i'm sure that journey whilst it's been great and there's lots of awesome things to look back on and you know point to and say hey that's been awesome tell me some of the things that have been challenging while you've been doing that is there anything that jumps out right um a lot of people probably complain about the fact that there is no privacy um, and it's true to some extent, but I don't know, for some reason, you know, once, once you're, um, once you kind of accept the fact that you're a public consumption, you're going to be consumed by the public, uh, then you kind of make peace with it in some way. But, uh, the challenge for me is actually when, when I got married, and I have my two kids, I don't want them to be consumed by the public. You know, I I don't want them to be the public consumption as well. So um, to sort of like, um, how do you say, put boundaries or um, put a clear boundaries between like, this is my personal life, please don't touch it. And this is my professional life, it's all yours. That's kind of hot, 
right? Because yeah, uh, whatever I do, even even when my you know when my second kid uh, was born, people were like, "Hey, where's the picture?" They were they were they sort of like expect you to post it on your social media. They they you know more like into a demand, you know, um, sort of to like, "Hey, a lot of haters." They started going like, "My goodness." Um, poor Daniel's wife, you know, uh, what a pity. Um, Daniel is just so ashamed of her, so he he doesn't uh, post any picture of her. And you know, it's I feel like that's that's not it, obviously, right? Um, of course, yeah. you've you've met Viola, and Viola yeah. really doesn't like to be in the public eye. So so then, but you know, to have like haters going that they kind of demand for you to just expose everything um, because they don't know the boundaries for it and people judge you in a certain way, it comes with a job, right? So, yeah. And and I guess um, the other thing is like, I really need to, I guess, be responsible for all the brands that I'm representing. Um, I'm representing MTV, I used to be, um, Indonesian Idol, uh, and, and you know, many more brands that, that, that entrusted their image to me, right? So, Yeah. It kind of limit myself to do certain things, you know, and which is in a in a good way, you know. So that's why I don't I don't smoke, <laughs> I don't yeah. do drugs, <laughs> which is in it's a really good way, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, when I when I drink, I don't really get hammered in public. <laughs> um, so those are really good things that you know, but. Yeah, I because I gotta be I gotta be mindful about all the brands that I'm representing as well. And in that time, how have you dealt with? Because I'm sure you've experienced it. How have you dealt with with criticism? How have you dealt with haters along that journey? Because I'm sure you've had it. Oh, for sure. Um, and I love I love having them. You know. Um, <laughs> um, well, some of them happen to be people you randomly meet in an elevator. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, and the fact that you're bigger than me, man. Like, you know, I hope that you're you're not uh, an aggressive hater. Um, but <laughs> um, so, for for me, early on, um, somebody told me that uh, there's this motto, right? Um, sort of like the saying, which is like a really silly, dumb, but it kind of get get into my heart. Um, it's S W times three, which is like really stupid, but uh, somehow it helps me throughout the this whole entertainment journey. Some will, some won't, so what, right? That's the SW times three. It's like some some will love durian, some won't love durian, <laughs> so what, right? And uh, some, some love apples, some hates apples, so what? And some will like me, Some won't like me, so what? You can't, you can't really satisfy everyone. So that is like the most simple, but yet somehow I feel like, you know, I shouldn't really waste any worry or any sleep on, on like, yeah, on, on, on people that I cannot satisfy. I, I shouldn't really try to um, impress them or wear certain brands just to show off to them. I mean, that's um, so that's so good. I mean, let me ask you this. Do you do you read comments? Yeah, I read, you do? I read comments. How, how do the negative ones feel? I mean, how, how, do you, how do you process that? You know, 
Um, and this, this is crazy. When, when, when there's like real haters, yeah? Like, like, I don't know, like, they just commented on, on things that is just ridiculous, you know? Um, the, the haters, the comments could go up to like, hey, you ugly, whatever. Um, you're only becoming famous because of the money that you have or whatever by, you know, doing the corruption or, 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 or doing some sexual favors to a certain people or something, which is like, Whoa. you know, like, Whoa. what is that, right? How did, yeah, wow. did anyone could think of writing a comment like that or something like that? Or, 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 um, you know, I, I read this in someone else's Instagram saying like, oh, you should be a prostitute that, that, uh, you know, in a, in the middle of the road, um, because you don't deserve to be alive and you, you, you deserve to be beheaded or something like, whoa, that is just so random. Oh <laughs> like, my goodness. What? <laughs> right. So, you know, my favorites, my, you know, my favorite hobby is <laughs> probably just like click on their profile and look at the profile. And I want to see what are the posts that they post, right? But uh, so some of them are like fake accounts, but some actually post posted a few other posts, you know. Um, and I looked at them, I look at their life, I look at their captions, and and yet I feel sad for them. I don't know if you heard about the saying "hurt people hurt people." Yeah. I I feel like whatever they go they're going through at home. As, as so, uh, you know, they have so much pain in their life that they need to transfer that pain to someone else's Instagram account, right? Um, because they cannot, obviously, they cannot retaliate to whatever. If if they have like a broken home, their parents is like beating them up or something, they cannot retaliate toward their parents, right? So in the end, all this hurt, all this pain, they just unleash it to someone else's Instagram account. So what I do is uh, I looked at the profile, I pray for them, I said, God, you know, give them peace or just give them wisdom or, you know, please give them like a transformation of their life, uh, stop, uh, give them the strength to go through this pain or whatever they're going through. And then I block them. So yeah, it's pretty yeah. <laughs> And then you block them. <laughs> Yeah, wow. I mean, that's uh, th there's some good stuff in what you just said just then. I think it's really easy to want to engage. We um, there's a tendency to read a hundred good things and then focus on the two that were negative. You're right. You're right. And you've probably yeah. found that for so many different things. I only I only hear like the really not good ones from the people that I really trust, you know, like my, my support system, yeah, basically, sure. if they, you know, it's, it's the, it's the input, right? It's the feedback. It's like, Daniel, you shouldn't do it like this and this and this because they care for me. But, uh, on my, on, on my Instagram, like, yeah, I got some haters, you know, and, and I just heard something good. Um, you won't be able to get, uh, 1 million followers without 100,000 haters. And once you get 100,000 haters, that means you're, you're on the you're on the right way of being authentic and wow people love authenticity they they want to see authenticity but you know 
uh, other people would have a problem with your authenticity, right? But then if you're too scared, and that's the problem with the world today, they're so scared of being authentic because they would offend someone, right? They would offend a group of people, for example. So they, they, they rather have the likes and the followers and be safe rather than being authentic and hurt a, a group of people and lose followers. But, and that's how fake this world can be um, because they rather have fake followers rather than authentic followers who would, who would die for them, right? Um, yeah. And I feel like that's, um, yeah, that's, that's the truth today. And I'll be honest with you, Jay, like I am, still like um i mean i'm in a dilemma right as a as a public figure as a because as i told you before uh, with all the brands that i have um you know uh indonesian idol and and whatever um i i have to be safe for their sake right yeah. right yeah. so every time i want to be authentic you know what if the ratings on indonesian idol decrease because they hate me for being authentic, right? I mean, like the people oh. hate me for being authentic. So it's like, oh, where, what, what should I do? You know, and um, yeah, so pray for me, man. Yeah, and, and I mean, some of the brands that you represent are well-known global brands. Adidas is, um, yeah. I know you were starting to run marathons uh, yeah. with that sponsorship as well. So I guess you've got a different tension to think about, but something that I've learned from you, I admire, and I really would like you just to share a little bit about it. I think it's your ethos, but you don't, you don't wait too long. You don't deliberate too long before just attempting something. Um, you know, you, I, you, you've told me I'm going to have this, I, I've got this idea. And then within a very short space of time, you're then doing that idea. And I think there are a lot of people out there which have ideas and they never act on it. Whether they're afraid of what a response would be or whatever it is, they just don't act on it. I mean, how have you developed this ability or this skill or this drive or what is it with you that you just go for it? Yeah. Um, wow, that's such a good question. I, I think... The older I get now, <laughs> I, I feel like um, I should think more <laughs> rather than act more, right? I, I should, but, but that's just who I am. I, I feel like God made me like exactly like this. Like if I, if I think of something, I love the idea, let's just act on it straight away, do it. Um, like I'm just that kind of person. And yes, uh, I've made a lot of mistakes uh, by doing that. You know, um, uh, sometimes uh, I, I, I waste a lot of money as well by doing that. Uh, but for some reason, um, you know, when when you you start something new, you're obviously getting out of your comfort zone. Um, and and I feel like when you're out of your comfort zone that's when miracles can start to happen. Uh, like when I started the YouTube channel, for example, the fear of shame of like failing from failing. Like for example, if I, if I start and nobody's watching the, the YouTube show, who cares about it? And then I fail and I will label myself as a failure. 
and the, that, that, that shame, that, that fear of failure and everything, it's so big that it make me pray more for miracles. <laughs> you know, so, so the fact that I do it anyway, I just, you know what? Let me just do it. I don't care. Whatever the outcome is, I'll do it. So while doing it, straight away, I'm in a, I'm in a, in the, um, I'm in a praying mode as well. Like God, yeah. don't let me fail. God, don't let me fail. <laughs> right. So um, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I'm not chanting it or anything, or like I do fail. Yeah, sure, sure. So, but then I learn a lot from it as well. Um, let's say, for example, this uh, the movie that I make. Right. Um, you know, I've been presenter my whole life. Like, um, pretty much, uh, this is probably my seventeenth year in a, in the presenting world, right? So, what do I know about producing a movie? I I don't. Um, I don't even have a connection to like the movie people. So, uh, but somehow at that time, I had this opportunity to just communicate about about the story about this this uh, badminton um, Olympian, right? And. Yeah. And then, uh, seriously, I was, I feel like I'm obeying God so much that to the, to the T, like, you know, making sure that uh, I do things right, making sure, um, you know, the storyline is right, making sure that basically what I do is like, because I have that, that ethos of whatever I do, I want to communicate God. Yeah. So um, I want to communicate God. So then, um, you know, I feel like every single thing uh, that I that I do, it's it's all obeying God, right? But the outcome it's not as expected. And bro, I was semi depressed when um, when we when we got our first day screening, uh, and the outcome was not. Everybody was so surprised. It was like what? It was only that, and yeah. the box office of the whole movie is really not as expected, right? So obviously, I was like praying to God. I was like angry to God. I was God, why? You know, like seriously. Um, and the more, like the 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 worst state that I was in, I guess I can feel the closer God is to me. In some way, um, you know, and, and, and in the end, I, I still remember that night, somebody was praying for me uh, because of, um, because I got depressed, right? Because um, of the outcome and uh, I thought that I disappointed the investors. Uh, I disappointed like a lot of people around me and um, the people who trusted in me and making the movie, I disappointed the, the real life person, the, the Olympian, the real life Olympian. Sure. Um, you know, but then it's actually everything, everything that I said to you just then, it was all in my head. The investors were really happy with the outcome. They said it's, they're really proud to be associated with such a, a great movie. The critics, they said it's one of the best Indonesian movie that's ever been made. And um, the, the, the real life Olympian, she never been so proud, bro. She's like, wow, I, you know, if I trust this project to someone else, the outcome, uh, like the quality of the movie won't probably be, look like this, but 
Daniel, you've made it so, you know, premium that they're, they're really happy about it, you know. But then everything is all in my head. Like, uh, I, it's because, like, probably I'm, I'm like the, the worst judge for myself. So, yeah. in the end, I get depressed because of me condemning myself too much. Um, so, in the end, uh, I, I still remember after that night, somebody prayed for me. The next day, I was, I was running for my marathon um, training. And, and I felt like, ah, Daniel, I felt like something, you know, like God in my heart, like spoke to me at that moment saying, Daniel, but what you don't see is the foundation has been built. You know, and that's usually what happens when you want to build a huge building. Like, like the plan that I have for you, it's, it's, it's like a huge building. And I have to make sure that the foundation, the foundation has to be built right. Right. So, so when I, when I heard that, I don't know, I felt like that depression that I had for weeks just li- just got lifted off. Um, I can run fast again. Um, and yeah, man, just a whole burden off my off my shoulder and and i feel and that's i guess you know um and go back to that question uh now how are you able to act straight away sort of like yeah. with faith right because yeah. i can't wait for that moment when 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 i'm being cornered and i experience a miracle and it's it's the, the, that experience can only be experienced when you're out, outside of your comfort zone and you're being cornered and you don't have anyone else to save you but God. And it's the feeling, it's just, yeah, it's just amazing. I so relate to that. I mean, as you're sharing this, there are so many things that for years I've kind of diarized and thought, oh, I want to do this, I'd like to do this, I'd like to do that. And you have these dreams and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this will be able to relate to that. You have these passion projects and these dreams that you have. Some could be lofty and perhaps public, but some could be really personal. And um, maybe they're like you, you know, run a marathon or perhaps it's, you know, build a house or whatever it is, right? All of us have these dreams that we want to do. And I guess putting yourself in a position of risk where you're prepared to step out and actually do something. It's the first step, but without that step, nothing's ever going to happen. Yeah, yeah. But you got to be smart about it as well, though. I mean, like, um, you know, in order to make the movie, I didn't sell my house or like everything that I have just to put everything in one basket. Right. You know, um, so so same thing with Damal of Indonesia, same thing with the YouTube channel. Yes, there is risk involved, but it's not gonna kill me you know what i mean like uh i'm not gonna go all out it's not i'm not like that idealist that just burned the bridge or something like that yeah wow that's so good that's so helpful man that's really really good hey i want to switch gears uh, and i just want to quickly touch on this but we're chatting in a time where uh globally there are so many things taking place um it seems like the world's going from one crisis to another and the media is just so full of content at the moment, whether it was bushfires in Australia and climate change, and then we hit COVID and now we're, um, you know, all of our screens have Black Lives Matter and this discussion around racism from all the years, decades of traveling back and forth to Indonesia. One thing that I am aware of is that there is a rising, um, 
uh, generation. There's there's a lot of youth in Indonesia, um, and I think the generation that's kind of emerging in Indonesia may be at some form of conflict, perhaps, with older generations that have lived and. Uh, rightfully so, I think some of those older generations have experienced war, they've experienced lots of challenging things, um, and now there's an emerging generation which you're um, uh, a significant influential um, personality for and a leader for. Um, you know, how do you see some of these things which we're seeing out of America? How are they influencing? What's happening in the landscape of Indonesia? Um, I actually did a, a, a Instagram TV post about it uh, because I feel that racism in Indonesia uh, it's not as black or white. No pun intended, but yeah. it's uh, <clears throat> but it's more about because we've been colonized. Uh, how do you say that? Co colonized, right? Yeah, yeah. Colonized by the Dutch for 350 years, and then um, Japan by three and a half years. Um, and I think, I think uh, a lot of Indonesian people, the, the the majority of the Indonesian people, they kind of have um, a stereotype, you know, that uh, white people will always be better than them, will always be richer than them. And um, you know they know they know more, right? And I and and you know we we've seen like in Bali where where white people actually abuse that privilege, <laughs> you know? They they abuse and they they treat other people, even the women, um, very you know like godlike or something, you know, because they um, they were not like that in their country, and then when they come to Indonesia people were treating them like God, sort of. Um, and and subconsciously, everybody here in Indonesia, they feel like if they got a wider skin, it will um, give them a better social status. So uh, that's why you have all the white, white skin product. Uh, well, there's so many skin whitening products. It's not just <laughs> it's you've got uh, sunscreen that has whitening in it on top of that you've got yeah. skin whitening soap you've got skin whitening talcum powder everything yeah. and then on yeah. top of that then you've got photo filters which lighten your skin and uh. exactly so so then and this is even for men's product by the way it's not just for women right uh, the men's product has whitening skin as well um, and subconsciously, they always feel that uh, being white uh, would make their life better. And, um, and because of that stereotype, I guess, uh, you know, you, you treat people differently. So I think the problem here in Indonesia, not so much as the racism, um, even though, yes, the racism can be can be politicized um, and even just difference in religion can be politicized. Right. Uh, but yeah. then uh, but the, the real truth is the whole situation is more about yeah stereotyping. Um, I think people, they have that mindset. Well, again, though, with with Black Lives Matter, I do feel that it's about stereotyping as well. So. You know, that's why I, I, I take that just one factor of the racism um, to be talked about here in Indonesia as a, as a reflection. 
Um, for example, me, the fact that I'm a public figure, it gives me a certain privilege. And and the stereotyping, for example, if if I accidentally hit a taxi driver in the street, I walked out, he walked out, we got into a heated argument, people will defend me, even though I'm the one who hit the taxi driver, the, the, the car, right? But people will defend me. They will think that I'm in the right or something like that because uh, they know who I am, uh, they know me, I got, I got, you know, basically good image out there, um, they're probably gonna defend me, right? Yeah. But, um, and, and the thing is, because I'm wearing this uniform and the, uni the uniform is called public figure. Um, yeah. <clears throat> a lot of people, when they wear their uniform, they have a certain authority or power behind it. And the problem is they start abusing um, their power, uh, you know, just because they have that uniform on them. Um, and we see that with uh, what happened to George Floyd, right? Because that guy yeah. is wearing a police uniform and he thinks that because of that, he is the law, right? And and it's uh, it's sad, And but the truth is it's still happening right now uh, even in Indonesia, especially in Indonesia, where because of the colonized mentality, people just say yes and amen to anyone who has that authority. White people, people in uniform, uh, or any foreigners, or yeah, anyone. Yeah, um, that is, they, they see like, yeah. Yeah, sure. And, and do you feel like the conversation is now starting to change a little bit just because of more awareness? Well, it's still got a long way to go, but I, I, I don't know. Long way to go, bro. <laughs> really? Long really? Yeah, wow. Bro, the majority of people in Indonesia, I don't think they still, they use Instagram because the internet is not as good, right? Um, you know, the, the people wow. in villages, that's our, that's the the majority of people here in Indonesia. And and they can't, they don't use Instagram. They, 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 they probably still text message. Right, they still use SMSs, right, and um, they still watch their, their their TV at home. You know where, because Indonesia it's such a it's a what would you call it an island country, right? We have like uh, I don't know tens of thousands of islands. And well, it's a it's a huge island country, but um, what most probably people don't know is being just north of Australia, it's the largest Muslim country in the world with over three hundred million in its population. Exactly. Okay. So, I mean, that's incredible just to think of the fact that perhaps some of them haven't even heard of this conversation to start off with. Yeah, and here's the thing, right? Like, let's say if both of us, we go to, I don't know, Europe or something, and then somebody asks you, Jay, where are you from? And you're probably gonna say, hey, I'm from Perth. Can you describe Perth for me? Uh, you, you could, I don't know, you probably come up with like, you know, it's a it's a small city, but it's uh, yeah, great beaches, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. And then, and then that same European guy looked at me and said, "Where are you from? I'm from Jakarta. Can you describe Jakarta for me?" The first thing, the natural reaction for any people who's living in Jakarta, they would straight away say, "Traffic." <laughs> That's like, <laughs> yeah, true, true. To change that image. You know, yeah. so I am trying to change that image by like if anyone, they've never been to Jakarta before, at first we need to make sure they know the geography of things. So we're next to Bali, <laughs> <You know? laughs> we're next to Bali 
And uh, we are, we're, you know, um, 350 million or more people living in Indonesia. It's uh, the third largest um, uh, population in, in the world. And, and then the, after China and India, and we are, you know, I think only in Jakarta, you could see the biggest church, cathedral, and the biggest mosque really right next to each other. And I feel that is the most beautiful description that I could give about Jakarta in the nutshell, right? As like people with different ethnicity, different race, they respect each other's religions, they respect each other's background and, and skin color. Um, and we, yeah, we live side to side to each other. I, I pray like this or, or like this, and they pray like this, and we could do it exactly at the same time next to each other while watching a game show, you know, while watching um, the Asian games or something, right? You know, um, and it's, that's the beautiful thing about Indonesia, you know, um, but yeah, but many people would just rebranded traffic. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, well, I mean, that's super enlightening just to even hear that. And, um, and I guess this is something that you're super passionate about. So that's why you've started Damn I Love Indonesia. Yeah, man. Daniel, thank you so much for chatting with me. I feel like I could talk to you all day, but uh, <laughs> I won't keep you up. I feel exactly the same thing, man. Like, I have like so many stories to tell you that uh, I haven't, yeah. So let's go for part two next time. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Thanks, bro. All right, bro. Thanks, Jay.